The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander. Great to be with you. If you've got a specific question for Dr. Franklin Weefold, between noon and 2 on Saturday, call this number, 919-860-9783. On the show today, Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, is owed an apology. Well, you know, more than just owed an apology, I think the press owes the country an apology for the way they've handled the entire COVID thing. And I think it's all coming out now that... They were reporting their COVID news for the reason, and the way they were reporting, for the reason to defeat Donald Trump. And, you know, what does that say about the um, trustworthiness of the mainstream mainstream press in the future? Can we believe anything they say? So I'm really worried about this. And hopefully, when it all comes out in the end, um, people will realize that what they were hearing in 2020 mm-hmm. was slanted and harmful in yeah. that way. Let's hear Senator Tom Cotton from this week about, he's talking about obviously COVID. It is surely is a big coincidence that this virus started not up in some remote mountain village with caves full of bats, but rather in downtown Wuhan, a city larger than New York just a few blocks up the road from labs that was researching bat-based coronaviruses. And since then, every bit of circumstantial evidence, to include evidence that came out in the final days of the Trump administration that some employees and staff at these labs may have had uh, coronavirus-like symptoms as early as October or September of 2019, continues to point to these labs as the origin of this virus, not that food market that the Chinese Communist Party used as a cover story from the very beginning. That's why it's so imperative that the Biden administration hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable and demand answers for all of these questions. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think it's it's very cogent what he's saying, but I think somebody else needs to point out it might as well be us. Yeah. You know when he first brought this up? Uh, a year January ago. January of 2020. Wow. So even before the pandemic hit the United States of America, Tom Cotton was discussing the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic as most likely coming from the Wuhan Virology Institute. And you know who first uh, posed that, posited that origin? Was Chinese um, scientists themselves. Right. I mean, there was a paper in December of 2019 that was published online in a Chinese journal and it said, look, we've gone and investigated. There's no evidence it's from the uh, wet market or the meat market. <laughs> you yeah. Know, the little dog. How much is that doggy in the cage market? <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it said that it had to have come from the uh, Virology Institute. And they took it off the uh, 
the internet and they buried it. I, if anybody out there actually copied that and saw it, please send it, publicize it, because the, their own scientists said that it came from that region. You know, this is the problem with people believing. It's called circumstantial evidence. Now, yeah. if you look at our generation of the millennials and the Gen Zs have grown up on what? CSI, right? Yeah, yeah. So the concept that you can only come to a conclusion on the basis of DNA evidence in a lab that uh, means that circumstantial evidence is not proof, and that's just not true. Yeah. What is circumstantial evidence? It means that you have issues and situations that cannot be explained in any other way. It's called the null hypothesis. So if there's no other way to explain it, it has to be true. Many scientific theories are proven on that basis. All the other alternatives can't be true. Therefore, this is true. And let me give you an example that my dad (laughs) told me about circumstantial evidence. Yeah. So there's a trial going on. A guy is is being tried for biting this guy's ear off. Okay? Mm. Mm. So there's a witness. Yeah. And so the defense attorney gets up and asks the witness, did you see my client bite that guy's ear off? And he goes, no. He says, well, then how can you tell us that you're a witness to him doing it? The guy says, yeah. I saw him spit it out. Ugh. I mean, so the point I'm trying to make <laughs> is, yes. Yes. you know, circumstantial evidence when it accrues to a degree and and it becomes the majority of evidence that there's nothing else that can yeah. prove it it's true true what is that i mean okay let's go back they shut down the wuhan virology institute in october of 2019 right. all the cell phones were turned off in there right. they had five people hospitalized for a covid like illness yeah okay and then um there's there's no bat associated in the meat market and yeah. only bats carry this um so i mean it, we we financed through the national institutes of health this research of course now it went through a another group we funded that group knowing what, full well that that group was going to fund the wuhan virology institute yeah. then we have uh, fauci saying in in 2012 that we want um a gain of function research that it's worth the risk All right. We've got a song which approaches our uh, new topic on the program. Is it we've gone several minutes into the program before you've mentioned the word Fauci, Fauci. which is that's a really that's a record. It's telling you something. That's a record. This is uh, Steam. Is it time? It's already time. It's time for what? It's time for Fauci to hang up his uh, makeup kit and his sunglasses and go back to the lab. Shut the door Are you sh- and don't answer any more questions except when it's the Congress demanding that you explain all the nutty stuff that has gone on. What did Fauci say in 2012 that is the basis now for the New York Post story Right. that says... Well, you what know, he did was um, they talked about gain of function now what is that i don't know so you take a virus and it yeah. doesn't infect a human being yeah so it only infects a bat and so you wonder hmm let me be a hero eight years from now when there's a really bad pandemic yeah and yet i've made a virus that's no that wasn't sick 
to human, but didn't make human beings sick. Now it makes human beings sick, and I know how to treat it. Yeah, it's called gain of function. So you take, you know, the coronavirus that infects a bat doesn't affect a human. You put it in some cells, you mix it up, you shake it up, and next thing you know, yeah, it infects human cells. And the point is that it can always escape. I mean, we've had Ebola escape a lab. Yeah, we had um, SARS, that really nasty one, that launched everybody's fear about coronaviruses in general yeah that escaped a lab we had mers which was in the middle east respiratory virus and that escaped a lab so how were these people thinking that it would not escape this lab especially when they'd already been fined by the chinese government for having lax um, safety measures and so you know he said in 2012 i believe in gain of function studies Uh, Yes, they are dangerous. Yes, it could cause a worldwide pandemic, but it's worth the risk. He said this. I mean, he said it right out loud. And nobody ever brought it up until now. Somebody dug it up, found this thing. And you know what I'd like to do, which I can't do because I'm too busy? Yeah. You know the Freedom of Information Act? Sure. Why don't they do a Freedom of Information Act on Fauci's emails? Oh, my gosh. Back to when all this stuff was coming. Right. What's in there? I don't know. And unlike, you know, the mainstream press, I'm not going to say I know the answer. I'm saying that we need to find out what the definitive answer is. Is it possible that when this all boils down, the Chinese, yes, released it. It got into the, you know, human population. Right. From... China, from Wuhan. Right. But we paid for it. Right. I think that is essentially what's going to come out. Wow. Now, again, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't have the, the definitive proof. I think that it is unlikely that there is any other explanation that it came from the virology institute. Yeah. Last week we played April of 2020. Yeah. On this show, we explained why we felt it was from the Wuhan virology institute. Mm-hmm. Now, Everybody called those of us who brought it up racists, conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. I can't say that anymore. Conspiracy theorists. We, I don't think, although I, it may be true, I doubt it, that this was biological warfare experiments. That's, uh-huh. that's what caught us on to being conspiracy theorists. I mm-hmm. mean, and in fact, the mainstream press would not say that we were worried that it was a mistaken or an accidental release from the lab. They would say, oh, they're saying that the Chinese were developing biological warfare to try to kill us all. I don't think so, at least I hope not. But we funded this research. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you remember when Fauci was before the Congress, Rand Paul? Yeah. And, and Rand Paul specifically asked him one question. Did you help fund the Wuhan Institute? And you know what he said? Hmm. You're absolutely wrong. We never funded gain-of-function studies. Now, that's a non-answer, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. He could have said, yes, we did fund them. But I didn't want them to do gain-of-function. Even though I said yeah. eight years ago that I wanted to do gain-of-function, I didn't say that. And I don't know. I haven't read the grant proposals or the grants. But if the Chinese didn't tell them yeah. in their progress reports, and I've done government-funded research, and mm-hmm. you have to file progress reports. If you get funded, we got funded by the National Institutes of Health. Okay. And we 
had to give them progress reports. Now, we did different experiments than we were funded for. You're allowed to. Okay. Because things change, and you're going to investigate, you know, topic A, and all of a sudden topic B related maybe to topic A is better. Yeah. But you tell them. And so, you know, I want a Freedom of Information Act to find out what those progress reports really said. Oh, boy. But you notice now he's not on CNN anymore. He's not on MSNBC anymore. You know why? Mm. Because they got to bring it up. Yeah. You know, and they're not going to because Fauci was their hero. All right. We're going to talk about other things today, including your questions at 919-860-9783. Scientists say we might live to 150, but not older. Uh, Let me tell you, this is another example of something that is clickbait. So you read it and you say, the Bible was wrong. Remember the Bible saying? What? Three score years and ten. Okay. That's three. A score is 20 years. Right. <clears throat> so it used to be that people would live to their 70. And yeah. that's, you know, expected. That's why um, uh, Medicare came on at 65 and Social Security came on at 65. That's right. Because, you know, it's, hey, you pay into it for 40 years and you get three out of it, five <laughs> out of it. 150. Okay, let me, let me just say, if you believe that, then I've got a bat I want to sell you out of Wuhan, okay? <laughs> Because nobody knows. You can't possibly know. Right. And it's, it's genetics. Okay, it, if you're going to live longer, you're going to have a daddy and a mommy that lived longer. Yeah. And I think the longest anyone has ever lived is 124 years. Okay. And you know what they're going to say now? What? Oh, that poor 124-year-old man. If he'd just eaten right, if he had <laughs> exercised, if he'd run a three marathons, he could have lived to 150. Yeah, I don't know. Don't believe this kind of stuff. It's just n- nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Are we to the point where sometime in the future we could live to 150? Here's the correct answer that every scientist should say. What? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because because the latest story isn't that we're going to live. We could possibly live to 150. It was 150 is it. That's what, it. That's yeah, the top what they, limit. What did they do? They analyzed some blood cells and looked at something they made up called you, resilience. Okay, what is yeah. resi- they, resilience? And they said, well, you know, the resilience, we could modify it, and then all of a sudden, boom, yeah. we decided it's 150 years. It's craziness. Okay. We're going to talk about the idea that a hot bath is great for you, perhaps even as good in some cases as exercise. Yes. I love this story. This Absolutely. is the most heart health radio story we've ever had. It's yeah. You can lay in a tub and get the same benefit as exercise. I love that. I love it too. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Five five five. Now you're not gonna believe who's in the shame segment this time. The guy Our is te- speaking right now and it's not me. All right. All right. When men um, get to the point where they want to be manly men, what do they do? For example, before GPS. Yeah. Okay. And you were lost. And your wife is saying, you know, go into the uh, convenience store and please ask direction. Yeah, Yeah. Instead. The man would do what? He would drive around continuing to be lost. Yes. So what does a manly man do when his car (laughs) stalls at the gas pump and 
there are people lined up behind him to get gas. That's right. He moves his car. Right. So what does he do? He puts it in neutral, grunts a little bit, pushes, you know, and then he's a hero because he um, opened up the gas pump for other people. That's right. What do you not do if you've had open heart surgery recently and you can't feel your feet because you've got a neuropathy? (laughs) David Alexander. Okay. Hall of shame. So what does he do? He opens a door, he puts it in neutral, starts to push. It was easy. Yeah. And then the car It took off. There was a small incline. I didn't realize there was a small incline. And the car sped up. You wouldn't believe how fast it went. What, about a mile an hour? Maybe. Maybe a mile an hour. I couldn't keep up with it. It dragged me for a couple of feet. and And then I dropped to the pavement and the rear wheel- when you dropped it apart, it, it it kept going. And where did it hit? It didn't hit anything. Oh, it, oh and it, so all that was for nothing. Okay, it narrowly missed another vehicle, and then it jumped the curb. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm 25 feet away, and I'm waving my hands. You know, for both of them going from left to right, because as we all know from bowling, if you wave your hands left to right. The car will go The straight. object will move. <laughs> and it narrowly missed another vehicle, jumped the curb, almost went o- over onto Creedmoor Road. But in the meantime, before the beginning of the story and somewhere at the end of the story, I think that the rear tire rolled over my knee. Oh, Jesus, Mary. I'm Jesus. now aced bandaged up and the okay. thing got big like and a softball. I saw you sent me this photo. Yeah. I could Ladies and gentlemen and listeners, I could not examine him today because no. that would not be right. No, no, no. I'm friends with him. I'm, you know, co-host. I guess I could look at it, but I couldn't, <laughs> you know, give you medical advice. I right. could say, as I always say in the show, please check with your doctor. Yes. But the whole thing is abraded. It's red. It was like, oh, my. It looked like his wife had dragged him down the stairs covered with sandpaper. It, okay. it is possible that she did yeah, that, so and I'm what's making gonna this happen? up. The risk of infection is very high. Yes. And, and have you ever stood around a gas pump and seen what people do around gas pumps? Yeah. You know, there's bacteria and all this stuff around there. So you better yes. be careful. Yeah. I'm, and you better, you know, I'm not saying you should need, be, need to be on antibiotics yet. No. <clears throat> and clean it. Yeah. Yeah, and and keep it, you know, sterilely bandaged. Yeah. And promise me one thing. What's that? You won't do that again. Here's here's That's the what new kids rule. are for. Hey I have, kids, can you help no, me? No, here's the thing. I have three daughters. The middle daughter is Erin. I talked to her on the phone after this and she said to me, and it is now the established rule in my family, we call it the Aaron rule. She says, Dad, if you would tell me to not do it, you should not do it at all. Right. This is the Aaron rule, and I, I don't care if you use that in your own life. Here's the thing. If you would not have your daughter do that thing, right, before right. hold my drink, and yeah. and I will go ahead and do this thing, right? If you would not have your daughter do it, don't do it yourself. Right. Uh, did you know? And I work in Johnson County. Yes. And there are five <laughs> words that a young Johnson County man says before he dies. What's that? 
Hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this uh, hot bath because I took a hot bath this morning. Yeah, I mean, in this a is sauna. Wonderful news. Might be great for you. Yeah. So, um, what is exercise do for the body that really, really helps it? It dilates your arteries yeah. and raises your heart rate. Okay. What does that mean? It means you get better blood flow. It means that your arteries learn how to relax so they don't become stiff okay. and constricted and lead to high blood pressure. Yeah. When your heart pumps uh, uh, faster for a period of time associated with this dilatation of the arteries, it helps heart health. So that's what you do when you run. Now, mm. what's the problem with running? You okay. smash your knees, you bust your toes, your back shrinks because you're you know, pounding your discs. Right. And so this concept of a hot bath, what does it do? Have, have, have you noticed in your, and you get in a hot bath? Yeah. You relax. Yes. You know, your skin flushes because the arteries are dilating. Okay. Blood is flowing. Yeah. And next time, do this as an experiment. What's that? Take your pulse before you get in the bath. Yes. Get in the bath. Make sure it's 115 degrees or yeah. whatever's good. Yeah. And then take your pulse about five minutes later. I'll bet you it's up 20 points, 30 points. Is that good? Yes. Really? The whole point. Exercise. You Remember the target heart rate in exercise? Okay. You go to rehab, right? Sure. They measure you're supposed to feel your pulse. They do. And exercise to get to a certain heart rate. Yes. That's called the training rate. Well, some people might be able to get their training rate in a hot tub. It depends on who's in there with them, right? <laughs> but... You probably won't get to your training rate, but you're still good, good. Now, okay. what was the first treatment, hot treatment, that was proven to reduce the risk of heart attacks? That was saunas. Really? And I thought it was Sweden, but no, it's Finland. Finland. Finland, yeah. Yeah. And what they did was they studied 2,300 <laughs> men for 20 years. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's good. Yeah. And so... They said, how many days a week do you do a sauna? <laughs> and it turned out that f that if you did seven saunas a week, yeah, you reduce your risk of a heart attack by 49%. Very Same good. concept. We'll talk about this and a lot more. Rose Hoban coming up from North Carolina Health News on Heart Health Radio. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio with Dr. Franklin Weefald. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. We welcome Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Hey. Dot org. Hi, gentlemen. How we are you? We missed you last week. Yeah, no, I was um, uh, off with my husband doing some um work and then we were um, doing a project with some students from down on the coast teaching them how to write essays um, it was that is so fun. good that's great that is so good listen you've yeah. got something up here on uh, North Carolina health news.org about the ban on visiting North Carolina home you know nursing homes is gone but obstacles remain come on we got us all about this I we got to visit grandma. I know, I know. I think, you know, I think some of it is, uh, you know, some some facilities have an abundance of caution. Some, I would argue, have an overabundance of caution. I think some of it is that facilities are worried when their staff members are unvaccinated that perhaps they could then infect a visitor. 
I think, you know, it's that whole thing where the mass, uh, where the vaccination, you know, coverage is, is, is inconsistent, right? Like right. some people vaccinated, some people yeah. aren't. And so, and then I think these nursing homeowners worry about liability, but I'm with you. I think, you know, it's, it's long, it's long overdue. Folks need to go visit their loved ones in nursing homes. And so, you know, part of it is, you know, and then there's the whole debate over like, do you require your staff to get vaccinated or not? Right. So, you know, this, this, I mean, this, these are the thorny questions. There's legal issues. There's uh, philosophical issues. It, it's very, it's very complicated. The other thing is, I'm facing it left and right. I don't know what it is about. I mean, there are there are wonderful people who tell me they are vaccinated. And they are going to keep that mask on. Yeah. And, and, and they might as well have a, a, a fake. Uh, I voted for Biden mask, well, right? No, but it's. Well, well, no, I think, you know what? We, we, we had someone, um, we talked to some psychologists this week for one of our stories. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I think people have. One of the psychologists talked about it in terms of last year was so traumatic for a lot of people, right? Yes. It was really hard. You didn't know. Well, there I think also questions. people feel like they can hide behind a mask, right? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, if you're walking down the street and you got a mask on, nobody really knows who you are. Yeah. I've had yeah. some I've had some patients, especially young uh, people who don't want to take their mask off. And uh, you know, they're with you know, I have adolescents here with their parents and they say, "Yeah, you know, she or he really loves that mask because they can sort of hide." So that's, maybe that's a part that's of it too. Yeah. Well, but let, let me ask you, know, you something. And, and, I was talking to somebody today. We went to the farmers market, and I was talking to someone there. And you know, all the vendors had on their masks, and I and I, but they're no longer requiring masks at the market. Right. So I said to this one farmer I'm friendly with, I said, you know, mask, no mask. And she said, well, you know, we want to wear masks because we want people to be feel comfortable coming up to us and shopping from us, and we don't know who's vaccinated. And they don't right. know if we're vaccinated or not. So it's again, it's that abundance of caution it's that we're all sort of navigating this area that's gray that doesn't have a lot of marketing <laughs> you know yeah. like i yeah. bought myself a little pin that says i'm vaccinated i'm i'm waiting for it in mail <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm hoping that maybe that will help you know um with with uh with you know navigating part of that i mean i walked into a um a store the other day and I just, you know, I had my mask in the car, and I got out of the car, I walked in, and, you know, there's the guy behind the counter, and he has the mask on. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I'm vaccinated. Like, I, I can put the mask on. He was like, no, no, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, doing, they're making the employees wear them. Right. But yeah, not yeah, the customers. Right. I think that's interesting. I think well, that's because they don't want to get sued, you know. Well, it's also they don't want to get sued, but they also want people to feel comfortable walking in. Like, what if yeah. someone walks in and sees an unvaccinated employee or, you know, an unmasked employee and they're like, yeah. huh, is that guy vaccinated? Is he not? Like, what, you know, what's the... Yeah, Let, so it's, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fuzzy time. Well, let me ask your opinion, because your opinion matters to me. How oh. can we get more people vaccinated? Um, there's a story that said, oh, well, you know, we tell them they can take their masks off. Mm -hmm. That'll get more people vaccinated. It turned out not to be true. And you know what? There's a, a, they did a survey and they asked people what would be the impetus for you to get vaccinated. And they said, how about mm -hmm. letting me go during work? 
and get time off paid to do it. I think that's smart. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're home, you know, you got kids and maybe not kids, you got two 180-pound dogs like I do. I mean, the only way I got vaccinated was I went to a, during work. I yeah. took paid paid time off. Right. You employ yourself. Yeah. Now, and the other thing, what do you think about these vaccine lotteries? I think that's a pretty cool idea. Where where everybody's been vaccinated has a chance to win you know hundred million dollars. I'd be shoot. Or or a million dollars. Or in Ohio, you can also win a four year scholarship to school. Yeah. So I have a girlfriend who's a doc in Ohio, and I talk to her every week. And because uh, she's in my knitting group, and so she was telling me they did the math, and all you need to do to um, make the vaccine lottery pay for itself is prevent forty. ICU admission. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You're right. So if yeah. you if yeah. you get, you know, another 200, 500,000 people vaccinated because of that lottery, you've for sure prevented 40 ICU admissions. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, why are so many healthcare workers, and this this includes nursing home people, I, they're not getting vaccinated? And mm-hmm. I, I don't buy all of the answers, you know? What do you I, think? I, What's your opinion on that? I'm kind of with you. I'm I'm a little dumbfounded by it. I have heard things like people worry about um, issues like, well, it hasn't been fully FDA approved, and I'm like, why? Why not? Like at this point, yeah, that FDA that was is, one thing. Know? Yeah, that was one thing that survey said. They said mm-hmm. two two things to get me to get it. Have the mm-hmm. FDA give formal approval? Because right now it's just emergency use authorization, mm-hmm. and give mm-hmm. me time off from work, paid, and I'll go get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a little incentive, because as the economists will tell you, incentives work. Yeah. Economists, like, that's like one of their mantras. Incentives work. All right. Thank you, Rose. So grateful. Good to talk to you, fellas. I want everybody to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org to get their health information. Thank you. Good stuff. All right. Take care. We'll Good website. We got an article right. where... Um, it, it, the question is asked, what is the most unprofessional thing a doctor has said to you? Oh, it is just you? amazing. Now, this is now, self-reporting. I, I've had people say that what I said was unprofessional. And oh most my. of that was when I was young, okay? Um, and, you know, when you're young and stupid, you say some stupid things. <laughs> so this is this is one. A doctor told my husband, I can't make chicken soup out of chicken doo-doo. Requiring a finger injury. I guess he said he couldn't fix it. Um, oh, my gosh. This is just crazy. Um, let's see here. Raynaud's phenomenon. We've talked about that. That's where your fingers get really cold because the arteries constrict. Yeah. So this guy said, um, you know, he went to a routine checkup, and, and she said, my hands go deathly white and numb in the cold. And what did the doctor say? Well, it's all in your head. I mean, it's just It's all in your head? Yeah. And now here's a good one. How do I prevent, doctor, how do I prevent these back spasms from happening? And the doctor says, well, you're just old and fat. You can't be younger. No! So be less fat. No! Yeah. I mean, if you, tell you what, if you're listening and you've had a doctor say something outrageous to you, please call us because this is just amazing. Now, you know, there's, there's something called, professionalism and yes. then there's something called professionalism and and so when somebody tells me the doctor was not i mean needs to be professional you know right. we were taught that there needs to be a wall between the doctor and the patient yeah. that you can't 
get emotionally involved. And I understand where that comes from mm-hmm. because the worst I've ever experienced in my professional career is when I got so close to a patient in the sense of I wanted them to get better. And yes. I, I got to know them very personally. And then this patient died. Uh. And it just just almost wiped me out. I had to take the day off of work. And that's the only time it's ever happened. Yeah. But, you know, being professional doesn't mean that you aren't a human being. Sure. Um, you don't want to be somebody's friend necessarily, mm-hmm. but you can sure treat them as right. though they're your friend. Right. So, you know, gosh, if there's a doctor out there who's being this way, I just want to shake him up or her up <laughs> and well, or say, well, don't do this anymore. See, I get this. I get this every now and then. That same article is written about teachers. Yeah. And I, and I, and I halfway go along with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I understand where that teacher has gotten frustrated, right? right? Why did they but do you what they did? have to have a stop sign. You cannot tape the kid to a chair. Right. No matter how frustrated you are, <laughs> you do not get to write a nasty word on their T-shirt. But but in the old days, yeah, the ruler, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. wrap their more back in the, the old ruler. days. Yeah, you. Did could. you ever throw chalk at a student? No, I said I had a teacher throw. Uh, a, Chalky racer. A racer. At a student. Hit him right in the head. Oh, my it's God. Been it's like a 50, cloud of dust. It's been 50 years. Really? And I can still, still see, see that cloud of dust. Oh, yeah. There was corporal punishment when I was in elementary school. Yeah. yeah. I got spanked. I never got spanked. No, good for you. We've got Donna on line one. Hi, Donna. Thanks for waiting. Hey, hey guys. Hey. What's up? Doctor Wayfall wanted me to call in and talk yeah, about. Yeah, we we had you on the on the um, the schedule, but uh-huh. we're we're happy to talk about it now. Yeah, Donna okay. got Donna had obstructive sleep apnea, and well, she still has it. Yeah. And you know the treatment that all of us have pushed for a decade. I mean, for several decades, is a CPAP. It's right. a mask. So the problem with sleep apnea is your tissues in the back of your throat, your tongue. Your tonsils, uh, all that, the palate. Yeah. They, when you try to breathe in when you're sleeping, they close. Okay. So you can't get air in. Right. And so you wake up from this deep, deep sleep and you can't ever recharge your batteries because your body doesn't want you to suffocate. Mm -hmm. So the way CPAP works is as you take a deep breath, it powers up pressure. The machine pressurizes Mm -hmm. the system to literally blow open those lax tissues and force the air down into your throat. Yeah. So, so many people can't tolerate it. It's just claustrophobia. Or the mask makes their skin dry, or right. it leaks, or you know, you, you toss and turn and you pull it off. So All the above. Right. So Donna, <laughs> this is an, a relatively new thing. It's several years old. And we talked about it and turned out that one of the issues was, was it covered by insurance? And it is now. Mm-hmm. It's a pacemaker for sleep apnea. And the pacemaker is called Inspire, like inspiration, mm-hmm. but it inspires you to treat your sleep apnea. And, and Donna went and got it. So what was your experience like? And then I'll kind of explain how it's going to work. But tell us the, the whole thing. Your doctor, you met him. He said it was great. You went into the hospital. Give us, give us the spiel. Um, yeah, I met the doctor at uh, um, at uh, Duke Raleigh, and he wanted me to do a sleep study again because it had been a while. So I did another <coughs> sleep study. Mm-hmm. Um, 
recommendation was that the Inspire would be a better um, fit for me than the CPAP because I couldn't tolerate the uh, mask, and I refused to wear it, refused to, refused to fight it to try to stay asleep. And so we had to do a sleep endoscopy first. Sad. Tell me, because I've not had any patients have that. I'm going to send some more to Inspire, so I want to be able to tell them what they're going to get. Okay. The sleep endoscopy is where they put the tube down your nose, and I guess they check the palate and everything behind your tongue to make sure that, you know, that you're still a good candidate for it. And when I passed that, then we scheduled the um, Inspire. Um, the hospital staff, everybody was terrific. The doctor was terrific, came in, explained everything to me. Um, the Inspire representative came in. Um, her name was Heather, uh, because I can remember that, because that's my daughter. And uh, spoke to me and wanted to know who my primary care doctor was. I referred her back to Dr. Weefall. Um, I had the surgery, went home the same day. Great. Um, I have an incision in my chest where the little pacemaker is. I have an incision underneath my right jaw, um, I believe, where they w- run the wires to the back of my tongue. Mm-hmm. No um, kidding. And I is not um, operating yet because I just had it done a week ago. So they wanted, I guess, wait to um, heal and make sure everything's good. And I have it turned on June the 18th. So, so believe it or not, these are the same pacemakers that I put in. Yeah. Um, the, they are little tiny things, maybe a little bigger than a silver dollar and about as thick as two silver dollars. Okay. And they have a computer and they have a lithium battery in them. And so what it's going to do, the wires are two purposes. They're, they they went to um, the muscles that they found were not working right when right. they did the endoscopy while she was sleeping. Right. Oh, this palatal muscle block. I used to know all those muscles, hypoglossus, you know, whatever. But that's, you know, from medical school, and I don't sure. deal with it anymore. Yeah. So they put the wires, the stimulating wires, in those muscles that need to open up when she takes a deep breath. Right. Then they have sensor wires. So the sensation of when you're trying to take a deep breath is transmitted to the device, and it says, she's trying to breathe. Right. Let's open those muscles. And mm-hmm. it gives the electric signal to the muscle, and it opens them up, and then she breathes. So, Donna, you don't know how well it works because they haven't turned it on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not yet. And so this is, I think, the wave of the future. Um because, I mean, it was pretty simple, right? I mean, it yeah. didn't. Yeah. And putting a pacemaker in, you know, to the heart. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's pretty simple, too. I mean, there are mm. risks. I think higher risks than in the, you know, in the throat. I mean, you can puncture someone's heart with the pacemaker wire. So you have to know what you're doing. Right. Because when that happens, <laughs> you bleed. But, oh, my. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. Give a shout out to your doctor. Who is the doctor who did it? Matthew Ellison. Yeah. Yep, we found him. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And he's excellent at uh, Duke Raleigh, mm-hmm. and he's an ear, nose, and throat specialist. Is that correct? He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So cardiologists don't have to do this. This is good. This is good, yeah. So we're really excited. Donna, yeah, good luck to you. Very excited. Thank you. Yeah, call it. When it's turned on, we're going to have you call us back about a week later yeah. to see how okay. you're sleeping. Okay. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Take care. All right, bye. Yeah, you know, people who are... People who have sleep apnea, really, uh, it's this whole family of, okay, I'm aging, I start gaining a little bit of weight, 
You know, you know what I mean. Sure. You get the, the pre diabetes. You got the sleep apnea. You know all these things, and sleep apnea. I I put the mask on. You sleep good because I respect my wife and I want her to get a good night's sleep. Yeah, but you know the thing that I think we need to understand about CPAP. Yeah. Is that no matter how much we try. Yeah. There's going to be a very large number of patients who just can't tolerate it. Yeah. You know, I mean, how can you sleep on your stomach if you've got a mask on? You I know? don't. And so, um, and there are plenty of stomach sleepers. Um, the other thing, I mean, does she, does, does your machine make noise? No. Really? It's very quiet. Really? Sometimes, sometimes there will be a, like a small leak. In the in the tube, in the tubes. and that makes a lot of noise. And sometimes it'll wiggle, crook, crooked, and make a and funny noise. Make a funny noise. You know, she have to wake you up and say, "Put your mask back on." Yeah, she said, "Tighten up the mask. Do right, something." Right. How bad was your snoring before you were diagnosed? Thunderous. Thunder snoring. Thunderous. People would. We camped one night, and people. <laughs> oh come on! I was in a I was in a pop up tent, pop up camper, and people two slots beyond two places over said who snored in that camper did they, did they, think, it, did they think it was a moose no they thought it was somebody snoring oh my sounds God. just like somebody how did she snored. ever get a good night's sleep um i don't know mm. maybe went to bed before i did well, I, you know. I don't know but you know, know. The, this is the thing they call now the bed divorce yeah the bed divorce the yeah it's right there. sleep and, in the other yeah, room sleep in the other room in the other. All Sleep right. The other well, listen, we're going to talk about the fact that there is a shortage of cardiologists. A two-year-old California girl has joined a club for geniuses. She's two years old, and they know she's a genius. I don't know what you could possibly do at two to prove you're a genius, but it certainly was no one in my family. That's coming up in just a moment on Heart Health Radio. Well! You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down. Some people just do great things during the week, and we make a big deal about them. Senator Tom Cotton is one of our shout-outs. Absolutely. Because he, against the, you know, everybody else in town. Going against the grain. Going against the grain, <clears throat> said the Wuhan virus or the, you know, the coronavirus mm-hmm. probably originated from the Wuhan Virology Institute. And he said it in January of 2020. Incredible. Yeah. So, you know, again, I hate to harp on this, but what we need to do, and I hope this is a wake-up call for the press, for mm-hmm. the mainstream press. Mm-hmm. And let's stop politicizing the news that has nothing to do with politics. You know what's unique? The folks at Facebook have now turned around on the subject of this Wuhan theory. Well, they were they were canceling people. They wouldn't let people talk about it on right. Facebook. Right now, Racist. yeah. Now they can, because they have to. They have to. You know, they were canceling people who talked about hydroxychloroquine. Right. Let Let me just bring up something that that people need to understand. I mean, if I mean the late night talk show hosts were talking about hydroxychloroquine as poison. You remember that? Yeah. That you're poisoning yourself by taking this. Well, first of all, the medicine's been around for years and years and years. It was one of the primary drugs to treat malaria. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, 
um, it became a drug for rheumatoid arthritis. And why? Because it's an anti-inflammatory. And it works in a way that reduces those little proteins and those chemicals that are exchanged in immunity that can boost immunity beyond what it should be. And you get what's called a hyperimmune state. So the biggest thing now is tolucumab, and that is an um, injectable monoclonal antibody. What's it originally used? I mean, it's used in COVID now to reduce the severity of the COVID pneumonias by yeah. reducing inflammation. Well, what's the main treatment? Um, disease. It's rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. Yeah. So everybody went nuts and said hydroxychloroquine was poison. But remember that the Henry Ford Hospital in Michigan had thousands of patients and they had a protocol in the beginning to treat with hydroxychloroquine. Mm -hmm. And they found that those who weren't treated did not do nearly as well as those who were treated. And what did they say? Well, you know, it's a good hospital, but they're wrong and they're probably just stupid. Well, people still looked into it, and the British Medical Journal of Infectious Disease published just in January of this year yes. a really good study, and it showed that it was it worked. I mean, it showed that of the thousands of people who took hydroxychloroquine as opposed to a placebo, mm -hmm. that they had a much lower incidence of needing to be hospitalized, which meant that they had a much lower incidence of worsening pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So this is the lesson from all this is that don't believe what the Facebook, you know, clickbait says mm -hmm. when you have an outrageous article and and also don't believe when somebody's called a racist for bringing up a a non-political, non-racial issue like did the Wuhan Virology Institute leak the virus. I mean, I've been called a racist. And and people, I guess, I mean, I've gotten email saying because, that I was a racist. Because you're on the show saying but this. remember, people out there, I'm half Chinese, okay? So my lower half is white. <laughs> my upper half is no, Chinese. No. His mother was Chinese. Yes, from L Shanghai. Literally from China. Right. I don't know how you could uh, end up being, being, racist. being racist against yeah. Chinese people. And... My youngest daughter, who I love uh, as much as anybody in the world, yes. is from Wuhan. 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 Yeah, so she was born in China. She, we, uh, she was, uh, her mother could not care for her. I don't yeah. know who her mother is, but I'd like to give her a big hug. Yeah. Well, no, Vicky is her mother. I'm yes, talking right, about right. Her, her birth mother, her birth. biological mother. I'd like to give her a big hug. Um, she couldn't care for Emily, and, mm -hmm. and we adopted Emily. So I'm not against Wuhan either, okay? Right. Uh, um, you have a little bit of a problem with the Chinese Communist Party? I have Party. a huge problem. Oh, big problem, okay. And, and that's partially because my mother escaped them okay. and came to the United States. But, you know, um, I love China. I love China, and I love Chinese people. But I hate the Communist Party, and I hate the fact that we have not been able to get the information we need about the Wuhan Virology Institute. And this is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area.
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. We're clapping along with the Heart Health Radio theme. One of us is on two and four, the other one's on one and three. I like the clapping. Just can't th- yeah you know it's uh <laughs> i was reading about the beatles did uh here comes the sun you know yeah. you know what took them the longest to to take no you know in terms of the number of times was the clapping they added clapping to it <laughs> and apparently that's really hard to coordinate with music i just tried it well the, yes. well, the thing was playing i couldn't it. clap along yeah yeah maybe that's a medical thing <laughs> i don't know this is heart health radio if you have a question for dr franklin Weefold, please do Offer up your, your you know, your yeah. question. I learned so much from the, the patients. 919-860-9783. Who do we have? Who do we have? Marie from Raleigh. Oh, hi, hi, Marie. Is. Hi, Marie. Welcome to the show. Yeah. That's my, my old Marie. Having that wreck. And I'm telling you what, I'm glad you had it after your bypass instead of before you bypass because you might have had a heart attack. Yeah, I might have. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know, I felt so good after my heart operation that I felt I could move a car. I and I did. You- oh, he moved it. He couldn't stop it. You are amazing, man. After I told you when I talked with you over the radio <laughs> that it, you'd go to sleep and then you'd wake up. Isn't that what happened? Yeah, that's exactly well, how right. how you, Dr. Weefall? I'm great. How are things with you? Doing great. Good. I'd like to put an input on the mask. You want to have one of those input on the mask? Yeah, you you believe in the mask? Yes, we so were you're still wearing in Myrtle Beach last week, uh-huh. staying at the Hilton. You did not go in that place without a mask. Yeah. You did not come out of your room without a mask. Wow. And the people on the elevator, I would have been very uncomfortable if they had not had masks. Wow. And down there at Myrtle Beach, everywhere I went, mm-hmm. everybody, you might see a few, but mostly everybody had masks on. Well, that's very good. Um, let me ask you, when when did you get your vaccine? Uh, I got it in February. And did you get the Moderna or the Pfizer? Pfizer. Yeah, they're all good. Um, let, let me say, I have no objection to somebody wearing a mask if they want to wear a mask. Um, I'm not one of those, you know, anti-maskers, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that it's a personal choice. I guess what the way I would look at it, Marie, is that we got the vaccine yeah. um, to, you know, give us a level of immunity where we could go back to normal. Right. Maybe for some people, uh, mask going to be the new normal. Now, you know what goes in favor of that is that we had no influenza this year. And not only that, I can't remember the last time I wrote an antibiotic for pneumonia or bronchitis. And those all start with a viral infection. Right. And then your, your lung stops being able to fight off bacteria, and you get what's called a double pneumonia or a bacterial infection on top of that. Right. And I can't remember. I mean, I used to give nebulization treatments all the time yeah. in the winter. Uh, people would come in, you know, wheezing and hacking up goobers, you know, that stuff that you can't stand. Yes. And I masked work for that. So 
I think that if people are vulnerable to, for example, you know, getting bad colds and getting bad viral infections, it might be a good idea to wear the mask in the right. wintertime, you know? Um, I have no uh, anti-mask sentiment. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that uh, I took mine off. I feel comfortable. Um, but if somebody were to tell me, I don't feel comfortable being close to you because you're not wearing a mask, I wouldn't be offended. Mm-hmm. I would say that's your personal choice. Well, and, I have doctors over in Deep Raleigh, and yeah. you don't get in that place without a mask yeah. either. Yeah, Duke's, now, yesterday, yeah. Duke's I pretty. Mind, uh, yeah. Sitting in a plug for Bill Alexander. Yeah, I think I, that. I heard from him that, Dr. Weepall, you were responsible for me hearing about his program. Because uh-huh. I was listening to you, and then I started listening to him, so he got another uh, client from that. Are you talking about the home show thing? Uh, no, I'm talking about the, uh, well. Oh, um, before. Before uh, we have a we have a, an attorney, Bill Alexander, who does this show. Uh, In fact, he said he needed to start listening to you because he was amazed at how Bill and I looked, and all yeah. at our age, I said, yeah. "Well, I'm gonna have to give Doctor Franklin Weefall uh, credit for that for all wow. the medication and everything you did for us, Doctor Weefall." And Bill will be 82 in October, and I will be 80. Well, let me also say that and, you've got good, you've got good doctors now, right? I, I have yeah. real good ones today, and they are, everybody over you speaks highly of you. As a matter well, of fact, one good. nurse named Judy, uh-huh. she said you would know her. Yeah, work with you over there. And Judy, Judy, Judy. I said, well, call him up and tell him hello. Do you All know right. who I'm talking about? Yeah, I sure do. Worked in the, worked with her closely. It's a good place. I, you know, I trained at Duke, and and Duke's got um, a long and storied history. Um, but I think they've really um, since they've started to do more uh, cooperative interaction. For mm-hmm. example, with Wake, and now mm-hmm. they have Duke Raleigh. Um, I think that they're you know slowly the um, pillars of, you know, aristocracy associated with Duke are slowly chipping away. They're becoming more friendly and well, more open to others. Well, they are so friendly over there, and they all love you. The well, thank you. The ones that have you. worked with you over there at Duke. All right, well, thank and you. And they're always telling me to tell you hello. I said, well, all you have to do is pick the phone up yep. and call in and drive and one. Well, thank you. Marie, thank you. Tell um, Bill, hey, how's Bill doing? How's his... Uh, when uh, he uh, good, he's you know he's got that lymphoma. But yeah, he's how's that going? Happy. He was had to go off on the medication uh-huh. for two weeks because he was bree- uh, bruising so bad. Yeah, the and that. Uh-huh. And when we went back after two weeks, he was doing so good, good. that the doctor was thinking about completely taking him off. Of yeah. that. and I said, yeah. oh, I don't know. He has improved so much. Yeah. So, she well, listen. To have him on every other week. Yeah, ta- and, uh, ask him to. Uh, there's a way to get you off of Zarelto with AFib, and that's called the Watchman. We've talked about that. So next time you're with his cardiologist, ask him if he would do good with something called the Watchman, and that helps you prevent clots um, from forming in the upper chamber of the heart. And it may be something he can he can get. So eventually come off of that. Uh, Zarelta. Marie, thank you. Have a great day. We love you. Jeannie, Jeannie in Raleigh on Heart Health Radio. Hi, Jeannie. 
Hi. Hi. I love your program, Dr. Refold. I've been listening for a long time, and you give good advice, and you seem very kind. And Dave Alexander, I think you're a fantastic host. Thank you very much. And I'm calling in about the masks. In my case, I strongly would love everyone to wear a mask. My problem is I took the Pfizer. I had my second shot on February 18th. Yes. I have five autoimmune disorders. Oh, my. And I asked my primary care doctor, who is excellent, he's as close to Dr. Welby as you can get, Mm -hmm. I said, how safe am I given my autoimmune disorders? And he said, well, it's great that you had the vaccine. He encouraged me to get it. I don't get the 95%, somewhere between zero and 95% safe. You know, yeah. We would hope maybe 80%. But for that reason, I'm being very cautious. Sure. And there are probably a lot of older people on 75 in the same boat. Some people are on immunosuppressant drugs, too. Sure. And I wanted to ask you, how safe do you think I am? given the autoimmune disorders. Well, let me tell you about me. Um, and, and I think that you're very smart to be concerned. And I think that wearing a mask in your situation is a good idea um, for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, it's going to prevent you from getting other respiratory infection. It's amazing how what we did in the last year with masks worked. In mm-hmm. terms of preventing influenza, preventing um, common colds, uh, we had a tremendous um, success. And I think a lot of people who have autoimmunity or who have immune deficiencies should wear the mask. Uh, I would recommend it. I had several patients who, you know, they come in my office and I say, you know, you can go ahead and take off your mask and talking to me if you've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And almost all my patients have been vaccinated. I still have some anti-vaxxers and mm-hmm. I talk to them in a nice way. But um, they say, no, Dr. Weefeld, I'd like to keep my mask on. And it's not because I think you're going to give it to me. It's just that I think that maybe there's aerosols, you know, uh, you know, spit particles lingering in the air from yeah. your previous patient, even though right. we disinfect. So, right. no, I have not. I'm not an anti-masker. I'm I'm huh? a pro-vaxer, but not an anti-masker. And I think you should wear it. Number one, it's going to make you feel um, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, number number one, it's going to help prevent you from getting sick. Number two, I think it'll make you feel more comfortable going out and about. Now, I think that you should feel. Uh, comfortable asking somebody to put their mask on if they're around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, if they don't want to, then, you know, or if they're nasty about it, you don't want to be their friend anyway, right. right? I mean, people should respect other people's wishes. And I think a lot of these really violent mask haters, mm-hmm. you know, some guy beat up a, a steward the other right. day, right. knocked her teeth out. Um, because he didn't want to wear a mask. And that's just nuts. Um, so, yes, wear your mask. Wear it in good health. Don't worry what, what other people say. And uh, feel free. You know what else you can do is carry some extra ones around. And if you've got some guy who's bloviating and, and being a jerk, mm-hmm. say, well, here's, here's a free mask if you want it. And, and <laughs> ask him to put it on if they're around you. What about um, Genie and autoimmune disorders and the vaccine. Oh, I think that's okay. And and I guess the question is how 
how effective right. is the vaccine sure. in somebody who has an autoimmune disorder? And we don't know the answer to that. That's the, the true <coughs> response. <clears throat> but we have every reason to believe that it's still effective, at right. least to a certain point. Um, and I think, again, uh, the difference between you, me and Dr. Fauci is I'm not going to say I'm right for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But you may need a booster shot. Um, and I think that's something they can follow. Mm-hmm. But also remember, autoimmunity doesn't mean that you have no immunity for everything else. Um, and I think that um, getting the vaccine has not been shown to produce autoimmunity in normal uh, or most individuals. There's mm-hmm. a one in a million chance with the um, vaccines that are made out of the adenovirus, not the mRNA. So that would be the AstraZeneca and the J&J, that there are one in a million people who get an autoimmune response for some reason mm-hmm. um, to those vaccines. But there's not been shown for Moderna or for Pfizer. So um, I'm so glad you're doing well, and I'm so glad you didn't get COVID. And I, th- I think that you should put your mask on with pride and wear it and ask people to wear it around you. Uh, and if they don't, then you don't want to be their friend anyway, you know. Jeannie, thank you. Thank you. Have All a right. great day. And Take thanks care. for the kind words about our show. Yeah, thank you. She is so right. Yeah. She said Dave Alexander is an excellent okay, host. Okay, so, so remember, remember Josh McCumber, who was McCumber's on this show. He's an interventional yeah, cardiologist. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was getting his car fixed yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah. And I guess they play our show in the, in the, yeah. in the car place. And he thought you were Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> he did. He said that you have um, the carry and the weight <laughs> of Rush Limbaugh. Okay. So I said, I said, who did you think I sounded like? And he said, <laughs> Porky Pig. Porky. <laughs> Excellent idea. All right, listen, we're going to talk about the fact that nobody wants to be a cardiologist anymore. The, all of the cardiologists. You know why? Because yeah, they listen to me and they it's said, I don't want to be drunk. like him. No, I Pfizer versus Moderna. For some reason, people think one is better than the other. We've got an opinion, or at least the doctor does, coming up in just a moment on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Do we have some fake news? Yes. Fake medical news? That's yeah, so not there, possible. Yeah, there was a, um, a uh, article by a guy named Dennis Thompson saying that pre-surgery tests are useless, and so they shouldn't be done. So, ah. you know, you're going to go have, uh, you know, what kind of, let me think. I you're had a heart have, surgery. I yeah, mean, well, that's different. So you're okay. going to have, um, I don't know, breast reduction. I don't okay. know what makes me think of that. And so they do a CBC, they do a chem profile, they check your, yeah. you know, coagulopathy and stuff. So this guy's saying almost all of them turn out to be normal tests. So why are we still doing them? And I think this gets to the point of two things, Mm -hmm. is that almost always normal is not an excuse to get rid of the test. Yeah. Because every, every patient counts. And you're going to, I just had a patient who was going to go in and have femoral bypass surgery. So they had a blockage of cholesterol in the artery in their leg. 
They weren't getting enough leg. They had a yeah. toe that was gangrenous. Oh my! And he was going to go get bypass surgery. He'd had blood tests a month earlier, and he said, "Can I just use those?" They say, "No." Yeah. Because this surgery involves some risks in certain ways, and mm-hmm. they got his blood test over again, and one of them had gone no- abnormal. Right. The proton, that is the function of how quickly your body can form clots, the prothrombin time. And it was way off. Yeah. And so he went to a hematologist, and he had a, a very interesting thing that was correctable. Right. And he might have bled to death. So not if, if your doctor says... Yeah that you need these preoperative tests, get them. Don't listen to these people on Facebook. Right. Let's go to Diana in Willow Springs. Thank you, Diana, for calling up. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. What's up? I had a question for the doctor. Yeah. Uh, My husband is um, taking, um, uh, what is the, uh, Rothus? Statin, some statin. yeah, some yeah. sort of statin. Yeah, a statin. Lovastatin's the the original Lovastatin. one. Yeah, go ahead. One, one tablet, uh, ten milligrams at night. Sure. Um, he has been having for some time, like um, his legs just give out on him, like. Uh-huh. Uh, but he spent twenty years or more on Senate floors sure. as part of his uh, work. Sure. So that you know could be part of it, but. Um, it bothers me a lot because he's, he's 82, um, and he's in good health. Great. For overall, um, he's on some, he has some um, diabetic things with the metformin. Sure. And the gl- glyrus, the clods, whatever. Yeah, gl- uh, glipizone. But overall, he's, mm. he's doing really well. So the, the question is, yeah, is the statin the cause? Is that the question? Yes. Okay, so here's here's my short answer, which is also a long answer. Yeah. It won't hurt him to stop it and see. Um, this is the thing about statin. Yes, they can cause these problems. Uh, yes, they are extremely rare. Yes, they can happen mm-hmm. after 20 years. So you didn't have it for 20 years, and now you got it. Mm-hmm. Um, people worry when I tell them to stop it and see what happens because they think that you know, controlling your cholesterol is a short-term thing. If you've had a heart attack, it is. So, for example, if you've had a heart attack and you've never been on a statin and you're told your cholesterol was low, yeah. take the statin. It's been shown to reduce the risk of another heart attack in the immediate period. Yeah. But if you've been on it for 20 years, and I, it, you tell me he's in good health, so I assume he's never had a heart attack, um, you can go off of it. And you can go off of it for some time. Um, and then see if the symptoms get better. Right. So that's actually uh, what I do for patients. What I tell them is, okay, you have knee pain, and you're worried that your statin is causing your knee pain. Go off of it. Mm-hmm. If the knee pain goes away, go back on it. And if the knee pain comes back, then you know that's what it is. Always after talking with your doctor. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is if your legs are giving out, um, your doctor needs to know about it because there is a syndrome um, called rhabdomyolysis, and it can be sort of low grade. As a, it can be very dramatic, and it is a side effect of the statins. It's extremely rare. I've had two patients with it in 35 years. It's when your muscles start to break down, yeah. And so I'm glad you said check with your doctor first. But you can go off of a statin for a while if you've had no previous heart problems and see if it makes you feel better. Right. Yeah, some doctors will, will go off of it 
and they put you on a um, vitamin called CoQ10 mm-hmm. or coenzyme Q10. And it seems to, in some people, prevent the muscle ache side effects from a statin. But Dave's absolutely right. Have him call your doctor, his doctor, and see what he or she thinks about holding it for a little bit and seeing if the symptoms go away. Diana, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your um, answer. I appreciate it. Hey, have a great day. All right. Take care. Okay. Just a a couple of minutes here before we take a break. And I I want to introduce this topic. Uh Uh-oh. This has to do with me. I'm holding on to my seat here. Has to do with me. Why is it then when somebody rolls his vehicle over his knee, why does it get bigger? Oh. What is that? It's called swelling. Yeah, I know it's swelling. <laughs> okay, so injury leads to tissue damage. Yeah. Okay? When there's tissue damage, your immune cells are part of the cleanup process. Okay. So, you know, if it's raining at a baseball game, sure. and you have five or six guys suddenly grab a tarp and go yeah. running across the tarp. I mean, across the infield. Yeah. Well, yeah, those little immune cells are going to grab the tarp and go running over there, and all the repair mechanisms will go up. Yeah. And the dead cells produce fluid that was normally inside the cell, and the white blood cells are going to die, and they're going to, as they're fighting off the stuff. All right. So it's called inflammation or swelling. I had a doctor tell me, he's looking at my knee, and it's big. I mean, it's really big. And it's been a week, and it's not shrinking down. He says, you know, Dave, I hesitate to put a needle in your in your knee. God, I hope you didn't put dr- a needle in there. He your didn't. Knee. He Good didn't. God. He said, I hesitate to do that. And I said, you know, I would hesitate to let you. Yeah. Because that's a bad idea. Yeah, that would not have been a good idea. But Just they, let the swelling go down. Football players do that. What? They they. Poke the Only knee and drain if, it. No, no. If you've got like a swollen muscle, yeah. Okay, that's you don't want to stick a needle in that because there's nothing you're going to get out. Right. It's only if like your joint capsule has an, what's called an effusion. Okay? okay. So there's inflammation and then it becomes a big, you know, glob of liquid. It's yeah. kind of yellowish. Yeah. And you can drain that out and relieve pressure. Yeah. Okay, it's not curative, okay. but relieve pressure. Don't let anybody stick a needle in that knee. Okay. Tell them I'll stick a needle in their eye if okay. they do that. Okay, all right. They, they, I won't let them do that. Okay, good. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Nobody wants to be a cardiologist, huh? Well, I wouldn't say nobody, but um, they're now talking about how we're not going to have enough cardiologists in the future. I'm kind of worried about that. Um, The problem is that we're all too old. All of us? I just read about 60% of cardiologists are over the age of 55. 60%? Sixty percent—that's almost half. Yeah, it's all, no, that's more than half. You doofus. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Anyway, so um, here's what's happening: is that when I was in medical school and residency, which is where you decide mainly what you're going to be when you grow up right. in medicine, cardiologists were heroes. A lot of stuff was coming out. Yeah. The heart catheterization, where you could find out where the blockages are. 
bypass surgery, replace the valves, yeah. all these toys, the echocardiogram, you know. And I'm going to say this now. It was big bucks. I mean, big oh, bucks. Oh, yeah. Okay? So now what has happened? Uh, the Gen Zs and the millennials first decided that the quality of life was important. And I don't doubt that whatsoever. I mean, okay. how many birthdays did I miss? I mean, how many times did I promise my kids I would be at their school play and I got called in? Right. And so when you're a dermatologist, you don't have to do that. I mean, you know, you don't have to get called from dinner to pop some girl's zit on on prom night. You didn't have to say that. Oh, yes, I did. Okay. So um, (laughs) it used to be you had to be a cardiologist. You had to be in the top 5% of your med school class. Yeah. To get into the or top five percent of your residency, um, now they're begging. I mean, oh. they have open slots. Yeah, cardiac surgery is worse um, because number one, we're not doing as many um, open heart procedures as we were. Right. Um, but also, you know, they've cut the reimbursement for three vessel bypass from, you know, to down to seventeen hundred dollars. And people think I ask them. How much do you think your surgeon got paid for doing your bypass surgery? You think my doctor only got seventeen hundred? About eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred bucks. And what was a three-hour procedure? Uh, Fifteen years of training. Yeah. When I started in 1991, it was three thousand four hundred dollars for bypass surgery. That's what yeah. the surgeon got. Yeah. If that had kept pace with inflation, it'd be about seventy-five hundred to eight thousand dollars. He gets seventeen hundred from Medicare. Now you have Blue Cross, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he probably got over twenty two hundred. Blue oh, Cross. Oh, that's pays good. Better. That's still come think I about still that. Them. I still want them. I well, it's better that. than seventeen. Yeah. I mean, I put pacemakers in. Yeah. And when I started in nineteen ninety one, I got a thousand bucks. Yeah. Was pretty darn good. Okay. That if that kept pace with inflation, it'd be about thirty thousand one hundred. Four hundred bucks. That's okay. Four hundred bucks. Yeah. So you know, don't think that it's all about money anymore. They they cut back on some of the higher volume things. So dermatology, Botox. Yes. It's cash up front, brother. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No insurance. Bucks. Yeah. You better pay me later. Or I ain't gonna take away your wrinkles. I got it. Now there's the other thing that did it. It's called the Mo's M O H apostrophe S. Mo was some guy. His partner was Larry, and he had a part of curly. <laughs> But Mo developed this thing where he said, I'm going to be really smart. I'm only going to take off the skin cancer right where it stops. I'm going to, I mean, just a little bit more. And so yeah. they would slice off your skin yeah. where the cancer was. Go look at it under the microscope. Yeah. Uh, there's still more we got to take off. Then they'd slice it again. Oh, my God. And you're left with this big hole. And... You know what the best thing to do? And this is my opinion. If you're listening from the medical board, I'm not saying patients. So a lot of them need the most procedure. Why don't you just cut the thing off and sell it back? You know, take out the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so now there's the most procedure. You get 3500 bucks for that. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Three-vessel bypass surgery. Yeah. Open up the chest. Stop the heart. Yeah. You know, all this stuff. And they make twice as much money cutting off your uh, skin cancer. This is why there's People not enough People are going into dermatology. Okay. So, we've yes, got, there'll be a shortage. We've got Janet from Wake Forest. Hi, Janet. Hello. Hey. Hello. Did I get Hi. your name right? Are you Janet? Yes, I am. Hi, Hi, Janet. What can we do for you? 
Hi. Uh, well, you've had some recent questions about uh, the masks and immunocompromised um, folks. Yeah. Um, but my question is in the same vein. Uh, my sister has, in the last year, become immunocompromised. Uh, sure. I have not seen her in a couple of years, so I don't want to do anything. I'd like to go and see her. Yes. But I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize her safety. Uh, even though I'd like to take off my mask, I, I was wondering, what, what is your take on it? Should She's, I leave my mask on? Okay, have you been, thing? Janet, have you had your shot? Yes. You've been, you've been immunized yeah. for COVID. Yeah. And you want to know whether it's okay to visit someone who is immuno. So, in other words, you're afraid that you might give them something. Is that correct? Yes. She yeah. had her shots as well, but uh, you were also speaking about um, things about the flu and yeah. all kinds of mm-hmm. other things. Should so, I let me let me tell you. My... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, you're wondering whether you would be a good citizen to wear a mask in that situation. Yeah. Right. I think you would be. Um, there's no... The one thing that really ticked me off, and again, I'm not an anti-masker, um, is all these anti-maskers who said that it was dangerous to wear a mask. Right. Okay? Is it? You know, well, if you're running a marathon or if you're in a you know running competition, right. you should not wear a mask okay. because that amount of inspiration, expiration, you can build up carbon dioxide and it can be a bad thing to be uh, in a room or in an area exposed with too much carbon dioxide. That's yeah. probably the only situation where I think a mask is a bad thing. Um, and and what it, what you would be doing is showing respect to this individual. Um, and I don't think it's really a sacrifice on your part, but I think you'd be showing the caring and kind nature that it sounds like you have to wear a mask. And I think that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, uh, is it possible you could transmit something? Of course. And we've proven that almost by the fact that now when we masked up, we got rid of a, a huge number of, of, of infections, mm-hmm. um, both you know minor respiratory infections and influenza, which can be very serious. So could you transmit something? I think it would be very unlikely. Um, but in that one in a million chance, pro- I'm, I'm, I can't be right when I say one in a million, in that rare chance that you could pass something on, wearing a mask is a sign of being a good citizen and being a good friend. Makes sense, Janet? I'll continue, and I'll get one of those buttons the other um, lady was talking about stating, I I am fully vaccinated, so everybody has confidence around me while I'm wearing a mask. Right. (laughs) Janet, thank you. Take care, and God bless you. You're a nice person. Thank you. But again, and I... I, I, What's that? I'm going... I go to healthcare facilities yeah. probably more often this week than anybody else. Uh, your stupid knee and your <laughs> stupid car. <laughs> I ran over my knee with the car. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, here's the thing. Everybody's wearing masks. Yeah. Okay. It's it's still a rule in hospitals. Right. Yeah. I'm I and I'm talking to the security guard. I said, Did you get a shot? He says, Yeah. I got a shot. I'm standing six feet from him. I'm wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, probably not. 
Um, but in a hospital setting, I think that an extra layer of precaution might not be a bad idea. And in fact, um, I think what I want to look at mm-hmm. is it, have the number of hospital infections gone down during this mass period. Right. And if they have, there might be a situation where they make people wear masks when they hadn't before. Not yeah. not when you're, you know, walking down a hallway, I guess. But there are certain people, you know, for example, who have pneumonia and things yeah. like that, that maybe you had to wear a mask when you go in the room. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I go back to a moment in time when we were starting to talk about this. This was more than a year ago. And my boss had the memo about COVID. Mm-hmm said, you know, that we're going to have to do this thing and the other. She's got the stack of paper because she's printed it out 30 times. And what does she do? She licked her thumb and passed the paper over to somebody. I'm thinking, my gosh. Yeah. All right. There is something called the thumb test. Yes. What is it? Um, There. Remember what Abraham Lincoln looked like? Tall and gangly. Yeah. There is something called the Marfan syndrome, and Marfan, uh, oh, excuse me, I speak French, Marfan, uh-huh. <laughs> Marfan, was a French, um, I guess, geneticist or something like that? Yeah. But Abraham Lincoln, tall, stovepipe hat, gangly yeah. fingers, it's a connective tissue disorder, yeah. and they even know what the protein is that's bad. And so you have long, spindly fingers, mm-hmm. um, your feet are huge, and they have an arch that's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And so the connective tissue has a missing protein or a, a mutant protein. So the aorta takes tremendous pressure in your lifetime. That heart is ejecting blood, and it hits that big tube yeah. that comes out of the heart, goes to your head and down the way. That's called the aorta. And if your connective tissue is weak, then it'll stretch out over time. Mm-hmm. The normal size on average, is three centimeters in diameter. And when it gets to be 5.5, it can rip on the inside and and cause what's called a dissection, and then it could even burst open. Marfan patients are very susceptible to that. Okay. Um, There's um, another syndrome called Ehrlos-Danlos syndrome where they have a different connective tissue disorder. Um, And so... The gangly fingers come into what's called the thumb sign. And yeah. now they're, you know, it's on the internet. And, and I want to explain so you don't freak out thinking your thumb is too big. So what you want to do, you know how the Boy Scouts do that, you know, that yeah. Boy Scouts honor your tuck thumb. Tuck one thumb you in. tuck your thumb in. Yes. If the mid-knuckle, yeah. um, the metacarpal phalangeal, proximal metacarpal sure. phalangeal. Sure, that one right there. Yeah. Yeah. If your nail and that part of your thumb stick out the other side, so by your pinky, so oh look at your, fold your thumb under, yeah. look at your pinky. Yeah. If you if your thumbnail is beyond the oh pinky, my word. Yeah, that's the thumb sign. And it, it, let me tell you, it's not that subtle. <laughs> if you got a big thumb, now they're they're branding this as something new. You know, every doctor should do the thumb sign on their patient. To see if they're going to have an aorta that's big and dissect and stuff like that. It's yeah. called an aortic aneurysm. Let me tell you, it's not subtle. Now, 
I have seen patients develop aortic aneurysm who did not look tall and gangly and spindly. Yeah. That's extremely rare. Yeah. Extremely rare. So if you've been reading about the thumb sign, yeah. don't worry. It's not subtle. Your whole thumbnail, when you tuck your thumb in, will go beyond the pinky. And that is not subtle. Your thumb is literally wrapping yeah. beyond yeah. where your hand there, is. There was something out. else when I was at Hopkins. Oh, my gosh. There's a big, you know, Hopkins had a big genetics thing. Yeah. And we saw a lot of Marfan patients. And the other thing is when you wrap your arm about your wrist. Yeah. And I think, like, you could touch your tonsils. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. But your <laughs> fingers would go all the way around your wrist. And you could, you could play the banjo while it was around your wrist or something. All right. Yeah. All right, so there's a two-year-old girl in California who has just been accepted into Mensa. Mensa. She is... Are you in Mensa? uh, No, I've let my membership lapse. Oh, okay. (laughs) L-A-P-S, lapse. Um, I never joined Mensa. You never joined. I qualified, but what what are you going to do? Sit around and say, hey, are you smart? Yeah, I'm smart. I'm smart. Yeah, are you smart? Yeah, what, 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 would, would your SATs get you in? Or did you take the Mensa test? You know, but I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe if you agreed in Mensa not to ask what your score was, <laughs> and maybe that you had to talk about something yeah. that was interesting, but I never joined that. Thing. She is two years yeah, old. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And? Yeah. What, what do you, you think? I mean, no, I think that's bad for her. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you've all read the stories about people who were child geniuses and went to college when they were 12. Yeah. And some of them didn't turn out so good. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you miss out on socialization. You miss out on sports in you know, a little league. You miss out on, you know, hanging out with your friends on a Friday night because right. if you're a genius, you better work, you better, you know, use that genius and you better start solving quadratic equations when you're six and you better study all the time. Now, it's not true that childhood geniuses don't all don't do well. Mm-hmm. Mozart, I mean, he wrote his first, you know, uh, published piece when he was five. Right. There was a, um, gosh, from India um, who was a math genius, yeah. and nobody believed that he could do this stuff when he was six, and right. he wound up solving all these things. So the study was done, and most of the people who were, told they were geniuses of childhood, lead productive life. Right. But it can really warp you. And it, and I think that if your two-year-old kid is really smart, just enjoy okay. it. You know? You don't have to give them the label of a genius. Yes. And I think that, um, especially in this day and age, yep. when, you know, you could get picked on for yep. being smart. I got picked on for being smart. Yeah. But I also got... Picked on for being a jerk. Well, this you know, is the I thing. Mean, you know, I got picked on for not being smart. Yeah, so what's well, the you know, what what's the point? Do? People get picked on all the time. <laughs> if your child is smart, yeah. that's great. Yeah, uh, get him a chemistry set. Yeah, um, you know, take him to the the what's the name of that uh, museum in Raleigh? Marbles. Yeah, yeah. Do all marble. sorts of fun smart stuff. Right. But my recommendation, and I want to get the medical board not to be on my case because I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a psychologist but my recommendation I don't know would be you know yeah let him be smart and you've always said play in the dirt yeah play in the dirt and you know what might happen what they might develop some kind of dirt scientific discovery yeah and then you can make a million bucks from dirt that's right who knows who knows 
All right, 919-860-9783 is our number. 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. I want to shout out the emergency room staff at Big Wake. They took care of me, and I did not wait a long time. It was really? all right. Yeah, it was an hour. Um, and I, then again, I had another hour to wait for the x-rays to come through. That's and not bad. That's not, it, I mean, they. That's not bad at all. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's I, the world I, you live in. You know? I had somebody in my office who um, they asked for a vacuum cleaner when they were in the waiting room. Yeah. Well, you know why? Why? Because they developed cobwebs, and they <laughs> vacuum off the cobwebs. Because they were waiting? Yeah. All right. And also the the staff at Ortho NC. Yes. They have a Wakefield Urgent Care, 9 a.m. to, no, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So if you think you've busted something on your leg... You can go in off hours. That's awesome. The very good. Thing. I think it's a really good idea because yep. there's well, and you know what? It's the sports injuries in the yep. afternoon yep. from high schools and stuff, and right. so that's great. Mom picks them up, mm-hmm. and they drive right over to the ortho emergency room. They get their X-rays. Yeah. They find out what to do. The um, the provider, it can be a physician's assistant, or right. orthopedic surgeon. Um, on these injuries can, you know, put the brace on or the immobilizer on. I think it's a great idea. The neat thing is they were able to see my x-rays from the emergency room earlier in the week. Oh, wow. So they were able to confirm again for me. I had to go in like three days later because I wasn't getting any better. Yeah. I felt just as badly, and I wanted yeah. to make sure that somebody who had an orthopedic background would see me did they did they put you on an anti-inflammatory like you know ibuprofen no. or something no well you they know told why? me yeah well but you know why they probably didn't push it because you're plavix that's right right you don't want to irritate your stomach and and you know you can take it with food but you got to be really careful when you're on an anticoagulant or right. anti-thrombotic thing which means you know you, you could bleed easier right taking a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug like a leave or ibuprofen it take a lot of it, and it can break down the barrier, preventing acid from damaging your own stomach, and you can bleed. So that's the lesson there. Okay. Um, there is a, an article about the no-no diet. Well, Renaming it doesn't say it. no-no. Right. But it's my diet. It's a no-no diet. And they um, there was a big controversy for a long time, but it's no longer a controversy. The no-no diet prevents heart attacks. And so what we're going to say now is the no-no diet is pure because the study was called the Prospective Urban Rural Epidemiology Study. Ah, And it was done, what country was this? In India. Oh, yeah. And those people who had what was called a low glycemic index diet. Now, what does that mean? Essentially, it's a no-no diet. They didn't eat white flour. Right. Because that'll raise your blood sugar. They didn't eat sugar, because that'll raise your blood sugar. They didn't eat the white side of white side, the white insides of potato. Right. They didn't eat a lot of white rice, and they had a lower incidence of heart attack and stroke, 
and death from cardiac cause. Um, and, and it was pretty dramatic. So it didn't matter how much fat they took in. Right. You know, the fat in their diet wasn't the thing that was restricted or, or um, you know, avoided. Right. It was the sugar or the no-no. And so it does. And, and so people were asking me, where's the proof? Well, there was a lot of suggestive proof. But now there's proof. And, you know, I, I think that anybody who wants to live well for any reason, yeah, not just hearts, not, I mean, the diabetic diet is the diet for everyone. Right. And the number one reason, not just your sugar, not just your heart, but your brain because mm-hmm. of inflammation. It looks like Alzheimer's disease is too much inflammation. Did I tell you about my inflammation blood test? No. Yeah. So there's something called the C-reactive protein, the erythrocyte sedimentation rate. These are things that measure the total amount of inflammation that's in your body. That five years ago, um, when I was even worse than I am now in terms of diet and things like that, Mm -hmm. my levels were very high, along with a very high level of cholesterol. So my LDL was 178. And so I got one of these scans that advanced body scans do. Yeah. Um, actually mine was looking at this lump in my arm, but it caught the heart too. And I had a lot of calcium, my calcium score and my left anterior descending, the widowmaker was higher than it should have been for my age group. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I was like perfect, you know? So my, I got my cholesterol down with a statin and uh, a shot. Um, that's now 11, went from 178 to 11. I got on turmeric. I got on ginger. Um, I, you know, stopped eating as much sugar. And I started um, to really think about inflammation as a whole. And now my C-reactive protein, which had been 10, which is really high, is now less than 0.1. I mean, it's undetectable. So you can, and the statin is an anti-inflammatory agent. And I think that if you decide that you want to live better in terms of your health, start with the sugar, start with the white flour, Start with the white potatoes and the white rice and cut back. I call it no-no. It should be, come on, cut back. But it's just a catchy thing. Uh, these are the no-nos, and you you know don't want to eat them. Greens I'm, and meat are what you should eat. I cut out most of those things. You lost 50 pounds. And I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And here's the most dramatic thing. Yeah. If I go back... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, I have a breakfast biscuit. Yeah. Yeah, it comes right, goes right on my belly. Yeah. And so. you know, listen, I love a biscuit as much as anybody oh. else. You know, and this is the problem. These these things taste great, <laughs> and they really. I mean, I had, listen. I had pancakes yes. this morning. Oh. You know, it's terrible. That's not. That's not but good I for you. But I also your... had yeah. uh, ham and two fried eggs. So. You know, and they used to think, oh, eat the pancakes, don't eat the eggs. No. And it's exactly the opposite. Zachary. We've got to go. This is Heart Health Radio. See you next week at noon on Saturday.